Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Welcome to another edition of Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler. Last week, we talked about blogging and the pluses and the minuses, the benefits and the cautions with uh, some methods of blogging. This week on the show, I have a patient who has been going through the breast cancer experience and who has begun a blog of her own this year. And uh, I'd like to welcome Rona to today's show. And we're going to be asking Rona not only about her blog, but about her experience, because here on Navigating the Cancer Maze, we're interested in real people with real experiences and how they've managed their path, how they've managed the journey of going through breast cancer, or cancer of any kind, in fact, but today it's breast cancer. So, Rona, welcome to today's show. Thank you, Grace. It's an honour and privilege to be on your radio show again. Thank you so much. Thank you for making the time to uh, to be here for us. Um, Rona, your story goes back quite a way. Uh, can you tell our listeners about your early journey with breast cancer? I'm really interested to know about the path that you chose and why you chose that path in the beginning. Well, Grace, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in June of 2011. So that's uh, more than two years ago. I can still remember the day. It was the day before my best friend's birthday, uh, but it didn't feel like, you know, birthday time to me. Um, the cancer was a grade one stage three tumor measuring approximately one centimeter with possible lymph node involvement. My breast cancer surgeon then said, lumpectomy, chemotherapy, and radiotherapy. And I told him I wasn't happy and I was going to try um, alternative therapies. So why did I choose that route? Um, my father died of colon cancer. He had surgery and chemotherapy and he suffered terribly and then died. So I therefore had a very negative perception of chemotherapy and all conventional cancer treatments. So really it was fear of conventional treatments that drove me to do alternative treatments. Also, I'd led a very holistic life up to that point, um, and I felt that if my body had brought about the cancer, I could undo it. For example, I'd been on the pill for about 15 years, and I felt that maybe this had been one of the causes of cancer. Um, I was also going through a lot of stress in my personal life. And then finally, um, I was part of this new age school of thinking 
that, uh, you know, the one that says you're responsible for causing the cancer, you've manifested it. So I felt if there was an underlying cause, if I could find it, I could cure the cancer. And, um, you know, I was feeling very fit, very healthy, uh, despite the diagnosis. I was going to the gym two or three times a week and doing intensive weight classes. And um, if cancer was a disease of the immune system, why destroy the immune system using slash burn and poison? Surely the answer lay in treatments that detox the body and boosted the immune system. That's why I went the route I did. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's um, why a lot of people in my experience, um, both in my clinic and working with groups over the years, I've, I've heard this from so many people, the points you brought up. My father had it. I've, I've gone a very fit path, or you know, my mother, my auntie, whoever it was, I've gone on this fitness path, I eat well. And it does seem like a, a kind of logical thing. I, I can really understand why people choose that path. I'm really interested to know how you managed your communication um, with your conventional surgical oncologist. Um, you know, how did he react when you said, I, I don't want to do that? And how did you handle that? And um, this first consultant, this the one who made the original diagnosis, he wasn't thrilled when I told him I didn't want to go down the conventional route. And what happened was I had a one-and-a-half-hour session with him where I had to argue my case. It was extremely um, stressful because he was um, naturally very skeptical. He hadn't heard of half the treatments I wanted to do. Um, however, he agreed reluctantly to let me have three months to use Ayurvedic treatments. And that's what I did, three months' worth of Ayurvedic treatments. And I went back after three months, and unfortunately, the tumor had grown. Not much in terms of dimensions, about, you know, one millimeter each way. But in terms of volume, it was a 30% increase. So as you can imagine, my consultant was not a happy bunny. Mm. Um, in fact, he told me that if I carried on this way, I'd probably be dead within two years. And uh, to give him credit, he tried very hard to accommodate me. He even asked this nurse to call me and ask me what he could do to make our consultations more comfortable and more reasonable for me. You know, he was really concerned and worried, and he couldn't understand why um, I wouldn't comply with his recommendations. So what I had to do then, what I did then, was I changed consultants. Um, I went to another consultant for a second opinion. And this consultant, the second consultant, was recommended to me because you know, he had a very good reputation um, as a breast surgeon, and also he was known to be willing to monitor patients who were doing the non-conventional route. See, the thing was, this consultant was open-minded because he already had two patients who had done alternative treatments using diet and high-dose intravenous vitamin C, and they were cured of cancer. And when I say cure, I mean cancer was NED, and they were still alive five years and seven years after diagnosis. So, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds good. If they can do it, I can do it. Um, so I went, went to this consultant, and I found him very open-minded, and he was less panicky about what I was doing. I felt um, more confidence in him. And also he told me that, um, you know, a lumpectomy wouldn't be suitable because of the size of the tumor relative to my breast. And I felt he wasn't whitewashing things. He wasn't trying to rush me into things. Um, he also told me he was willing to monitor, 
but he would let me know when the tightrope I was walking was getting too dangerous. So, to cut a long story short, I switched to this breast surgeon and I've been with him ever since. That's uh, also a very important point that you bring out there because so many people perhaps even turn more to alternative medicine too, in my experience, where they have a surgeon who completely, or an oncologist, who just completely brings the shutters down and therefore patients could go off on a totally uh, alternative or super alternative path. So I think your experience there is a very useful one for listeners today um, to shop around a little bit and see whether you can find someone who will support you if perhaps you don't want to go uh, directly through the uh, conventional route. Yeah, I, I have to say um, this surgeon is a rare, is a rare surgeon. Most of the doctors I encountered were not very um, happy about doing the non-conventional route. And having spoken to some of my friends, um, they've had the same problems with their surgeons as well. Mm, yeah, I find that uh, also is the feedback. But there are good surgeons around. There are good oncologists. I think what I'm hearing here is that he saw your fear and uh, and therefore took the approach that this is a psychologically a better way to handle you, which is also very important as well as working with the cancer itself. Mm, yeah. 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 So. Um, can you describe your feelings then at this time? Uh, you know, you put a lot of faith, a lot of confidence. You've just described that you had these stories and um, that this surgeon had, in fact, had a couple of people who had uh, gone past their five-year limit mm. with cancer. So how did that impact you in, in that real sense of the word? Well, you know, I felt I was doing the right thing. You know, I was feeling good. I felt I had a doctor behind me who keep an eye on what I was doing. Um, he would measure my results using tumor markers, ultrasounds, and PET scans. And, you know, throughout the time of using alternative therapies, I was feeling well. You know, I was holding down a full-time job. Um, you know, I was going to the gym. I was, you know, keeping house. Um, you know, so what I did was uh, I did an intensive course of high-dose intravenous vitamin C, which was three weeks of daily infusions plus three months of twice weekly. You know, I ended up on 100 milligrams of vitamin C, which is quite high. Um, I tried a raw vegan diet. I was on loads of supplements. Um, and then at the end of this, after the intravenous vitamin C uh, regime, um, the tumor had grown, unfortunately. So I switched to a different doctor and a different set of infusions. I was doing Chico getting healing sessions with a Chico master who had a reputation for curing cancer. And um, it was during this period that the tumor actually stabilized and didn't grow. But then what happened was I stopped the infusions because they were getting too expensive and the tumor started growing again. Mm. Mm. So that was uh, a very obviously a very difficult time for you in the terms of uh, also where finances start to come into this because alternative treatments can be very expensive. Extremely. You just have to stick the word cancer in front of a treatment and, you know, we're talking several hundred pounds. Mm, and uh, the thing that comes through that too is that nobody ever knows, you know, is this the tumour doing what it does or have these things actually made an intervention and started to halt the process? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's the, really the big unknown. Yeah. Um, now you reached, how long did you do that for actually? 
Uh, well, you know, I was doing this song till about uh, October 2012, so almost uh, just over a year. Right, and so then you come to this critical crossroad, um, which we've talked about on the show before too, and you had to decide about more intervention. So how did that impact you at the time, and what were your feelings and your, your reactions to think, well, I now have to incorporate something else and maybe conventional? Well, you know, I got to that stage um, um, in December 2012 when we did another set of tumour markers, and my tumour markers, which had always been within reference range, started getting close to the upper limits. And I thought, oh dear, um, this had never happened before. So I knew there was something going on that wasn't, um, that wasn't good. And then my surgeon himself said, look, you know, this is as close as you can get to pushing the envelope. And he said, let's start talking, you know, time to get the tumour out surgically. Well, you know, I felt fear, I felt frustration, I felt frustration that what I was doing wasn't enough, that maybe I wasn't doing the right diet, that I should have done raw vegan for longer, or the ketogenic diet more stringently, or juiced more, or done more enemas, maybe I should be taking more supplements, different supplements, you know, and, you know, I still had a fear of conventional treatments, you know, I was trying to find a way to avoid surgery or any other conventional treatment. But, you know, also at this point, this crossroads point, I was getting tired of this whole cancer business. Um, it was uh, almost two years since my diagnosis, and it was very stressful, you know, going for scans, when the results weren't good, I'd get more stressed, um, I was spending a lot of money on alternative therapies, and, you know, I knew I couldn't sustain that level of spending, um, you know, I just wanted to draw a line in this cancer business, you know, um, you know, people around me, my family, my colleagues were suffering from cancer fatigue. <laughs> That's very beautifully put. Uh, Rona, we're going to have to take a break here on our first session with you in Navigating the Cancer Maze. Uh, we'll be back very shortly and we'll take up this really important topic with you again. Don't go away. We'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. 
The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm Grace Gawler, and today we are with Rona, who um, is telling us about her breast cancer journey. And before the break, Rona, you were talking about cancer fatigue, that so much of your life was being consumed with it. Could you elaborate on that a little bit, please? Well, you know how it is when you're first diagnosed, tell people and oh my god you know, the next thing you know people are rallying around you sending you chocolates, flowers, cars balloons you know saying what can we do to help um, you know they're uh, like, like a hen, mother hens you know trying to um, take care of you and then after a while after months after maybe a year they suddenly realise oh she's still alive uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, the chocolates, the cards and whatever it is you know they start dying down because they realise that uh, you know, they think, oh, maybe it's not that serious. And also, I think people get desensitized to cancer. Yes, that's a very good point, um, that they have so much of it around them. And, and, of course, today, one of the things that we talk about often on this show is people say, oh, if you uh, have cancer, just be positive. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I still, I still get it now. You still um, get it? Mm. Yeah, I still got, you know, I still get it from people after surgery who said, well, you just positive um, and what can I say I think they're, they're saying it it's their way of coping they can't cope if I'm not positive Yes, and it's part of their desensitizing process too. People like to put up a barrier to things like cancer diagnosis quite often because a lot of people don't know how to deal with it, but it makes it very tough for the person who's going through the experience absolutely and um, and you know also there's this new way of thinking of you know you have to be positive if you let any negative thoughts creep in you know or the cancer will win the battle. 
Yes, which is a bit of a, a sort of a fear tactic in a way too, isn't it? Very difficult, you know. It, I think patients with people with cancer, you know, we beat ourselves up so much, you know. We don't really need someone else to beat us up with this new age thinking business. That's so true. And, you know, this is a relatively new phenomenon. We didn't have to deal with this when I started out working with cancer patients, which was in the mid-70s, in fact. Um, so it's nearly 40 years since I've um, been working with people with cancer. And the thing we suffered from back then was information underload. <laughs> now we have information overload. Yeah. We had no support groups. Uh, we had to create them. And now we've kind of moved into this area, well, oh, yes, you know, you have cancer, just be positive. It's a tremendously um, alarming thing to see developing over those four decades. Well, you know, you've got people like Louise Hay who cured herself of ovarian cancer using affirmations and diet and positive thinking, you know. Um, you've, you know, we've got Shakti Gawain, you know, we've got people just saying, be positive, you know, your, your, your focus creates your reality, you know, and that just makes me think, gosh, my focus must be really shit if I've got cancer. <laughs> 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 it's either I've got really negative subconscious, I don't know, you know. You know, and often we don't know all the stories of the people who write the books, the, the cancer entrepreneurs, the recovered patients. Often there's a lot of the story that's left out. Um, sometimes that's come from the person themselves because they've moved through their story and um, they haven't reported all of it. Or some of it, in my experience too, comes from people who um, have had a story that's been put in the press and it's a little bit like the Chinese whisper. You know, it changes over a period of time and before you know it, it's hardly recognisable from the original story. But these are often the stories that cancer patients hang on to dearly. And uh, yeah, creates quite a quite a lot of tension and problems. Why can't I do that? Yeah, yeah. I meditate more. You know, I'd be less stressed, and if I'm less stressed, I'll have less cancer. You know, if I juice more, I eat, drink more wheatgrass, that kind of stuff. You know, if only it were that simple. <laughs> yeah, I wish. You know, I wish. <laughs> um, I want to move on with um, your story here in the. There's a time where it really probably would have been very easy for you to just keep on going with what you were doing, in fact, and maybe to do more of it. Um, but you kind of took quite a logical approach here. You, you stayed engaged um, in the process and somehow were able to, to your satisfaction, start incorporating more of the conventional. Um, I wonder if you could share any tips uh, with our um, listeners here because... This is a stage where I think it is very, very difficult for people to, to try to come in and walk that middle path and bring enough conventional and keep enough of the complementary dash alternative going at the same time. Well, you know, Grace, I had a kind of wake-up call earlier this year. A friend of mine who had breast cancer, which had metastasized, she'd done uh, intravenous vitamin C with me and um, unfortunately it didn't work and she died. And, you know, she'd been a vegetarian since she was 16. She was raw vegan since the diagnosis. I mean, she was fundamentalist raw vegan. Um, and um, I went to a funeral, and one of her friends came up to me and said, if Andrea, and this was the friend who died, had gone the conventional route, she'd still be alive today, wouldn't she? Wow. And I just stood there, and I felt like, uh, it, was like it was like being slapped in the face, you know? I felt she was, in a way, blaming me. But, you know, I, I, you know, I went back and I, I thought about what she was saying. I thought, yeah, it's probably true. If Andrea had done the, con the conventional route, she 
probably would still be alive, you know. Um, and it prompted me to do a lot of soul-searching about what I was doing, you know. Obviously, what I was doing wasn't working. The tumor markers were going out, uh, you know. Uh, and um, I'd also had some um, special genetic tests done privately, um, and they showed other markers were increasing. Um, for example, there's something called a BCL2, which is the apoptosis regulator, and this was going sky high. It was going to the zone which seemed to indicate the cancer was getting more aggressive. So I had all these, um, uh, I don't know, markers, measurements, which are telling me things are not going well. And, you know, I had my, my surgeon also saying, look, you know, this is, you're going to have to start thinking seriously what you do. Um, you know, I was doing the alternative routes, it was stressful, you know, I wanted my life back, you know. Um, and you know, the aim of this is not, it's not, it's to survive, you know, it's not to try and uphold some sort of philosophy about whether conventional or non-conventional treatments are better, which is better, um, you know. Uh, let me try and explain what I mean by this last point. You know, I had a friend in um, the Qigong group I go to, and she had also had breast cancer, which had metastasized, and a tumor had fungators. And she was, oh, God, in a stridently anti-conventional treatment. And yet I saw her suffer with the alternative treatments she was using, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I respect her choice, because um, everyone has a right to make up their own minds. But, I, you know, I didn't want to be caught up in this rigid thinking thing, and you know? I wanted to live. Mm. It's a really good point you bring up because actually you're right, at the end of the day, it's about your survival, (laughs) however you get there. It doesn't matter what you do, you know, you just want to live and if doing conventional is going to buy you more years, do it. Why get caught up in this almost religious kind of fundamentalist philosophy and then die? And and she, she died this year. So there was, I'm having all these things dying on me this year. So that was kind of like a wake-up call, like, you know, is what I'm doing really working? Yeah, that's a really tough part of the cancer journey because you often do uh, buddy up with people or get to contact people. And I think it's very difficult when those people don't make it. Absolutely. Uh, For for whatever reasons. I I think that's a really very challenging thing that's not addressed enough, actually, in uh, many groups and uh, and in many cancer circles, full stop. Yeah. 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 Look, I know you shopped a lot, um, did the the clinic shopping, and uh, in the UK as well in particular, um, you looked around at a lot of different places and practitioners. So without naming names, I'm really interested to know, if you had to look back at any of those treatments that you did, what stands out for you? Um, What do you sort of think, as far as a method goes, um, was more helpful to you than others? Hmm. Well... You know, I always made sure that if I went to a clinic, it was run by a doctor because I felt at least they would understand the science and medicine behind cancer and the alternative treatments, you know. Um, you know, I, I always made sure that I got second opinions from cancer advocates, you know, there's some in the UK as well. Um, they, they're not doctors, but um, they've got degrees in biochemistry or maybe they're ex-oncology nurses, so they had an overview of what treatments were available. Um, I felt that, you know, the more knowledge I had, the better I'd be able to make uh, treatment decisions. And, of course, there's good old internet and I was research, whatever they told me on internet. 
And um, what I would do is well, I, I'd go to the clinics themselves, I'd ask them um, uh, whether I could speak to patients who'd undergone the same regime and did they get cured. I'd ask them what the success rates of the clinic were, or what sort of time scale were we looking for the treatment to have any results, and very importantly, what measures were they using to keep track of what was going on? Were the treatments working? You know. Mm. But um, unfortunately, I didn't always get full answers from the clinics. For example, when I asked them about success rates, they, the clinics would say, "Well, you know, most of the patients that come to us um, end stage cancer. They've already gone through conventional treatments, so their immune systems were compromised, and they couldn't respond that well to the alternative therapies. So, you know, success rates. What can you say? You know, when it's a, a desperate last last stage cancer." Or they'd say, well, the sample size is too small, so we don't really have statistics. Um, I did, however, manage to speak to two breast cancer patients um, who use intravenous vitamin C, and it worked for them. And, you know, the, both these patients are also with my breast surgeon, so it was something that was medically verifiable. Um, but, you know, on the whole, I think these clinics try try hard to give hope um, without promising too much. Um, but, you know, I think that's all they could offer, hope. They couldn't offer hard evidence. Mm. Yeah. yeah. As we're coming up to our next break, I think it's a, this is a good place to uh, finish off this part of our conversation in terms of uh, what is on offer out there and how careful we have to be in making the right choices at the critical crossroads. And you're so right, there's very little hard evidence at least in the conventional side, we do have some more hard evidence than perhaps on the more alternative and complementary side of treatments. And that's why we have to walk a little carefully on that path. So, Rona, we'll take a break now. We'll be back shortly on Navigating the Cancer Maze. Don't go away out there. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.holvung-clinic.com. 
That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G dash clinic dot com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back on Navigating the Cancer Maze today. I'm speaking with Rona. And just before we went to the break, uh, Rona is uh, a person who's been dealing with breast cancer for a while, if you've just tuned in, uh, taken the alternative route and then decided that she'd have to add some conventional as a part of her journey. And we were talking about the logical process that she uh, felt she had to engage in to decide which way she was going to go. And uh, Rona, at the end of all of that, can you share any helpful tips from this particular stage, um, things that you can share with other people who are going through the experience and in this very awkward and difficult position? Yeah, well, you know, if you're going the alternative route, don't just go with the first practitioner who offers you what seems to be a cure. Shop around. Practitioners in London, especially those in Harley Street, charge more than other towns. You know, cancer patients were very vulnerable and were desperate to try anything. And unfortunately, the um, alternative therapy industry seems to recognize this. And, you know, practitioners just exploit the patients. You know, stick the word cancer in front of a treatment, you know, and the price just goes up. Mm. You know, try and get a second opinion. Consult cancer advocates, someone who's got a, an overview of all the treatments and all the practitioners. Speak to former patients. Ask for medically vi- verifiable cures. Yeah? Ask what measures are being used to keep track of whether a treatment is working or not. You know, do they test for the treatments? You know, do they do blood tests? See if things are working. Yep. Um, try one treatment to see if you think it's suitable before you commit to a full course. Um, visit the clinic and talk to the, the doctor in person. And um, when it comes to diet, you know, what is the nutritionist basing their rec- recommendations on? You know, are they see what's uh, the best diet? And um, steer clear of practitioners who recommend treatments like urine packing. 
urine packing. Uh, yeah, urine packing. Okay, would you like to explain urine packing to us? Well, not if there's a family audience and not the, and not the people are eating. <laughs> you know, it, it's not, it, what can I say? Um, it's using your own urine and you're supposed to ferment it, yeah? You put yeah. it in the jar and you ferment it for at least three days and then you soak flannel in it and you drink the bit of your body which is cancer in that urine and you wrap yourself up and you put hot water bottles on and it's supposed to draw out the toxins. Wow. Yeah, I know. Have I, have I, have I shocked you? <laughs> I know, I know you, you've been in, you've heard everything, Grace. Yes, I've heard of the urine drinking before but not quite in, in that particular way. No, urine packing, I tell you, it goes everywhere. I had to wash the bed sheets. I had to wash everything. And then it still stuck around in the room. It's weird. It's like something had its own presence. <laughs> I guess that shows the, clearly shows the desperation that many cancer patients will try so many things if there's a good enough story that's that's put up for it, even if it's not a scientific story. Yeah, or someone with a degree in natura- naturopathy says, do this, it's worked for my patient. You think, yeah, you know, it's going to work, you know, but it's all anecdotal. You don't really know. You don't really know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that comes to the end of your tips for other patients? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's move on to the other tips that you might be able to give people with seeking an option outside of their own country. Um, I know that you came to the point where you decided that you would go to uh, to Europe um, yeah. to Germany for treatment mm-hmm. and uh, we did an interview with you uh, sometime back I think it was March mm-hmm. um, earlier this year and now you're at another place after that in looking back at that experience mm-hmm. what can you tell um, our listeners about moving into that kind of a transition oh you know what 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 made me suddenly decide let's go to Europe mm, yeah what what were the drivers there why did you now start looking outside the country and what did you find when you were when you were there well you know things obviously the stuff that I was doing in this country wasn't working so I started thinking well what else would work you know I still didn't want to go down the conventional route and so I started looking at holistic clinics in Europe and the Paracelsus in Switzerland was one of them and um, it offers a very holistic approach, detox, hypothermia, infusions, you know, uh, taking out uh, amalgam fillings. But the more I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, that stuff I've already done, I've taken out my amalgam fillings, I've done detoxification, I've done colon cleansing, you name it, I've done it, you know. Mm-hmm. Why would I go somewhere else and do more of the same? And then I talked to this doctor who runs this alternative therapy clinic and um, he actually, he's German by the way, so he said, you know, you know, if you want to do this properly, go to an oncology clinic and, you know, go to an oncology clinic in Germany and he gave me two names and one of them was Halbein. So, um, in total, I actually wrote five clinics including Halbein and, um, you know, I thought, if I'm going to go down the conventional route and I'm going to have surgery, I want the best surgical outcome possible, you know. Um, I want my body ready for whatever it needs to go through. And um, the problem was I wrote these five clinics and I really, at the end of the day, I still couldn't make up my mind. 
um, in the end, I thought I need to talk to someone who has an overview, a cancer advocate, you know, an overview of European and German cancer clinics. And, you know, I will always thank the day, Grace, I found you and I got your advice. Thank you. And what did you find about my overview or my advice that was a little different? Um, I think you had, uh, I, you, you know, you had you had this background in um, naturopathy, so you knew everything about alternative treatments. Uh, you also had this amazing, um, uh, you know, um, a group of patients, you know, 38,000 patients you've had, clients over, was it 15 years? Uh, it's getting up to 40 years 40 this year. Yeah, 40 years this the coming year. Yeah, so, you know, you had, a lot of, you had more experience than most people I've spoken to in this country, in the UK. You know, all the cancer advocates I've spoken to, they don't have your experience. Um, you'd also been to all these German cancer clinics, so you knew what you're talking about. You'd been there. So, and, and you could give me, um, you know, you could give me advice about, yes, this would be suitable, that's not suitable. You know, I sent you my medical records, you understood them, you know, and you could say, no, this is not going to be suitable because you're at this stage where this is not going to work. You need something more aggressive. Right. Okay. That's uh, that's actually very good feedback for myself as well. Um, I think in finding a cancer strategist or advocate, uh, all those points that you make are quite important. And for sure, I'm not the only one that's around. And I, I think uh, it's worth seeking out the best of your oncology, but also someone who can help to guide you down that path, who has a good um, middle path approach, not too far one way and not too far the other way. Um, so you had your treatment in Europe and then you came back. Yeah. Um, and then you took the surgical route. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because uh, you know the way this this story plays out, it, it's such a roller coaster of experiences, and I can oh. the pathway is laying out before you, but you keep on going and trying, you know, the next thing and the next thing. Yeah, tell us well, about that. Yeah, well, you know, um, the experience at Halvang was really positive, and you know, I returned from Halvang and I was on a high. I felt I could scale mountains. Um, I had an ultrasound a week after my return, and it showed the tumor and the lymph nodes had shrunk. So I thought, okay, fine, let's do a surgery. And it was scheduled within the six-week post-taste window that was recommended by the clinic, you know. You know, I was still apprehensive about surgery. I you know it was going to be a mistake to me. Um, but, you know, I felt at this stage, I, this was the best way forward, you know. Mm -hmm. So I had surgery, and it was a mistake to me. And when I came around the recovery room, I just felt this incredible sense of relief. And I thought, oh, God, you know, I've done the right thing. It's over. Yeah. And then what happened was I was moved into my hospital room and I fell asleep. And when I woke up in the middle of the night, I was lying there feeling very uncomfortable, surrounded by medical equipment. And I tried to make myself comfortable and shift myself using my left arm. And then I realized I couldn't move my left arm, you know. I suddenly felt it was very heavy and there was a numbness spreading up the arm. And then I couldn't feel it. And, you know, there's this moment in a horror movie where there is no turning back. Well, you know, this was, I was in a horror movie. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, to cut a long story short, um, I went in for mastectomy and came out with um, a paralyzed arm that was uh, damaged to my nerves. Did you, could you describe uh, how that actually happened, the process? Um, because yes. I know you've uh, you've talked to the surgeon and other people in the field. Yeah, I just want to, yeah, you're right, I should talk about it because I don't want people to think, oh my God, I'm going to go in for mastectomy, I'm going to come up with you know, <laughs> my paralyzed arm. Precisely, you know, yes. You know, because what happened was the next morning the surgeon turned up, he was shocked. He said he'd never seen it and he's done something like 5,000 patients. He's operated, he's done 5,000 mastectomies and, you know, he's maybe had one or two rare cases where they've had issues with their arms, but never the kind of nerve paralysis, nerve damage I had. And um, what happened then was I saw, uh, a few weeks later, I saw a nerve specialist, peripheral nerve specialist, and we worked out that probably what happened was when they do a mastectomy, they, um, they tuck your arm behind your head or they traction it slightly, you know, to get it out of the way. Mm. And um, my mastectomy was three hours long, so my arm was being tractioned for three hours. And uh, what happened also, they said, was where the collarbone is is where the nerves come out, yeah? Mm. The brachial plexus we're talking about. And they said there's just some quirk about my anatomy that made that outlet where the nerves came out maybe smaller, so it squashed the nerves. So my, basically my nerves were squashed for three hours and it wasn't the fault of the surgeon because he said this is what he always does. He's never had an issue and I believe him because um, he's got a very good reputation. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's something that just happened because of my anatomy. Wow, what a huge challenge. Rona, we're going to have to take another break on Navigating the Maze and uh, we'll come back and finish off talking about that today. So don't go away and hold on there and uh, we'll be back shortly. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollarinstitute.com or email institute at gracegollar.com. 
Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back on Navigating the Cancer Maze and today speaking with Rona. This is the last segment of the show. And Rona, before we went to the break, you were telling us about the damage that you had experienced, very rare, to the brachial nerve plexus, which meant you could not move your arm when you woke up. How has that um, progressed in terms of recovery? Well, you know, when I woke up, my arm was paralyzed, and when I say paralyzed, I couldn't lift it, I could hardly type, you know, I don't know if you remember the first email I sent you, it literally said, was sick, threw up, can't type, and it was all <laughs> done using my right hand. Yeah. And, um, you know, even little things like, you know, when you try to wash your hair, and you squirt shampoo into your left hand, I couldn't even do it. I, you know, everything was, had to be done with the right hand. Um, and, you know, something else that was bad was, um, I couldn't play the piano anymore. Mm. It was very upsetting because if you remember the clinic, I was playing the piano. And in fact, the day before my mistake, I was playing Chopin. And when I got home from hospital, I couldn't play anything. That is a tremendous adaptation to have oh, to make. Well, it was something that gave me such joy and it was just taken away from me. Um, yeah, so but since then, um, I've had to have a second surgery to release the compression on the brachial plexus nerve. Um, that itself was, you know, I was thinking, oh no, not another second surgery. Um, it was the last thing I wanted, but it had to be done. You know, it was the only way forward. And again, I kept getting to these moments where there was no choice. This is what has to be done. And I had the surgery. Three weeks after the nerve surgery, uh, I found I could start using my arm again. And it's gradually gotten better. It's not what it was. There are certain things I can't do. Uh, my shoulder is very frozen. Um, you know, I keep bumping into things because my spatial awareness of my left arm isn't there. But the good news is I started playing the piano again. That's wonderful. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm really, really pleased. So... Um, despite the fact that, you know, 
my bits of my arm, my fingers, you know, my thumb is still numb. It feels like an elephant sat in it. Um, that's fine. You know, I just have to accept what is and just get on, I guess. And time and good management will also help. But psychologically and emotionally, they're really big issues to deal with. And I, I, we talk a lot on this program um, about survival, and I've done a show on surviving survival. And this is exactly what it's about. It doesn't mean it's going to get easier for you. The challenges that can come along on the pathway of dealing with any kind of cancer are, are tremendous. And one has to be almost prepared um, in some way for what may be ahead without being fearful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this stage, you know, I've been through, you know, I've been depressed from the arm. I'm, you know, it's better now. But there's always this feeling in me now, what next? And and rightly so, and, and that's uh, something that I hear from many people. Um, with, with the path that you've taken, Rona, uh, many people get into the guilt thing and the failure thing um, because if only I'd have done something different, you know, back then. Can you tell me how you've handled that, how you've come to some kind of place of peace or even if you're on the way to that place of peace uh, with that concept? Well, you know, I still struggle with it now. Um, this new age blame thing, you know, you manifest your own reality. But, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, I've met loads of people with cancer. Some of them have been very positive people. Some of, the, some of them have been very successful in their lives. And they've got cancer. So, you know, I think <laughs> yeah. the more I look at it, cancer is not just, uh, you know, one one cause thing. You know, it's not one cause disease, it's a mysterious disease. There may be many causes. It could be genetic, it could be environmental, it could be a mix. Um, and I think cancer itself is a very canny beast. It adapts and mutates. You know, and mm. sometimes nutrition, wheatgrass, Ludwig diet aren't enough. You know, you need something stronger. Yeah, and... Uh when you're doing this alternative path, as you talked about in the beginning, um, that that sense of failure is, is something that really must be faced. Uh, I mean, you can't sweep it under the carpet, can you? No. You know, I still sometimes think, if only I had, you know. But what can you do, you know? You did the best you could at the time with what you knew, huh? Yeah, that's what I thought was the best thing to do, and that's what I did. Um, and that's what I say to many of my patients over the years. Look, if... We've, we've all had these life experiences and you do the best you can at the time. And I think taking a look back at history, yes, you can learn from it, but it's yeah. important I to... I, could, I really wish I could turn back the clock and you know, get into a time machine and go back and, you know, see, I'd do things differently, I guess. But then, you see, I wouldn't be at the stage where I'd be willing to do what I'm doing now. You know, maybe I had to go through what I had to go through. Yes, indeed. And uh, now I think your story can be really, really helpful for um, other patients who are just beginning on the path. I mean, to hear today where you've moved to along the path, uh, I think if I was a, a cancer patient early on in diagnosis, I'd actually be listening to that and taking that really more safe, each-way approach. You know, if I go to the horse races, I never bet on the winner. I always take an each-way bet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I've done that since I had an interest in horses, and uh, I've done very well <laughs> um, in doing that. So 
I, I think it's uh, it's the same with like our alternative complementary conventional medicine. It's it's good to take an each way bet here because it's the smart way. Yeah, you, you, it's not you, about alternative. It's about integrating. Integrating the two and walking the middle path and not being stuck on an ideology, in my yeah, point of try, view. You know, don't, don't get caught up in the you know, ideology, vegan, whatever it is. Um, you know, this is the right way, there's only one way. There isn't only one way, there are many ways. There are many the ways. Is, you know, it's not failing, it's whether or not you're going to survive. Survival, it's survival, not whether or not you're. you're, you're um, Winning, or you know, you're, you're, you're a failure because you don't drink enough wheatgrass. So what, what are you going to do to survive? Indeed, indeed. And that brings us, we've got a couple of minutes left on the show today. Yeah. I'd love you to talk about your blog because I really like your blog. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I get a lot of good feedback on your blog. And as we were talking about blogging in last week's show, um, can you give uh, our listeners the name of your blog and why you've called it that and a little bit about the theme of it in the last couple of minutes? Okay, my blog is called, and I'm going to speak very quickly because it's within two minutes, uh, B is for bananas. C is for cancer. dot wordpress. dot dot com. Do I have to spell it, or do you think it's all right? I think that's all right. Yep, yeah. we'll uh, we'll put that up on the uh, on the after blog as well. And the reason I call it B is for bananas and C is for cancer uh, is because I wanted something a little bit lighthearted. I also wanted the word letters B and C in the title, and also it was based on an incident that occurred very early on when I was doing um, intravenous vitamin C. We were in a group of five women, all had infusions. And what happened was one of the women got the shakes and uh, she needed something that would um, really bring her uh, sugar levels up quickly. And so I said, oh, what about banana? And God, the reaction I got, it was that fundamentalist ideology thinking you've got banana, but it, don't you realize it's high sugar? Oh, no. You know, if I'd been a cannibal, it would have been easier, honestly. <laughs> so, you know, and then... And I said, well, maybe I've got banana, which may or may not exist, you know, but if I do, would you like the banana that doesn't exist? And uh, then I, I uh, got the contraband out, and, uh, and you should have seen that moment. It was like, you know, the woman held the banana as though it was a host in a Catholic mass, <laughs> peeled it, and, you know, five, you know, everyone's mouth was drooling because they hadn't eaten bananas for a long time, and she ate it, and then she looked at me and she said, you know, it's the best banana I've had. It's been two years since she had a banana, you know, and that's how strict it is, you know, and it, you know, bees with the banana seeds of cancer. It was meant to be a light-hearted look at alternative therapies, um, and, you know, it was, it was in a way also a tribute to people and what, what people do, you know, to try and heal themselves of cancer, the extremes that go through, you know, denial of bananas for two years, you know, oh my God, you know. Well, I think that says a lot about you and a lot about your blog, and I am ever so grateful today for you being a guest on Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please, listeners, do take a look at Rona's blog. B is for bananas, C is for cancer.wordpress.com. And uh, thank you so much once again. Well, thank you, and thank you to the listeners, and thank you to the readers of the blog. I appreciate you. Fantastic. We might talk to you again one other time. I hope so. Ten years' time. <laughs> Ten years' time. We'll make a date. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rona. Bye for now. Bye-bye.
Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. Oh,